0: Hey crack fans! stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there and if you tell your opponent what do I use on my racket I use the mega tack you're going to be attacking with that mega tack from start to finish if you've seen anything we do at crack rackets you know I'm a hairy guy as you can imagine I sweat when I play the only grip that works for me is the turna tennis grip of course the mega tack taking things to the next level how can you get yourself hooked up with a turna grip today it's simple you're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods about the Megatack, the tackiest grip on the market. Contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at Turn of to Tennis today. Welcome to oh, Hey! Great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel podcast network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another episode of the Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of. All the action happening across the Division I college tennis world, of course, here on Tuesday nights, we talk about the Division I women's action and what a week we just had unfold before us in the college tennis world. It was conference championship time. And on today's show, we'd like to recognize the conference champions that emerged throughout the course of the week. In particular, on today's show, we'll focus on the Power Five conference tournaments and all of the implications that came from the past week of action. In particular, right away, got to give a shout out to our Big 12 Conference Tournament champion, Texas. Are they the hottest team in the country? That's something we can discuss today. Of course, a team going to be right up there with them. Texas AM and completing an undefeated SEC, both regular season and conference tournament. That does not happen too frequently. We'll talk about AM. Are they? a tier one team. Now, are there any tier one teams heading into the NCAA tournament? That's something we can discuss. Of course, PAC 12 champs, Stanford, ACC champs, Duke, we'll get into all that. And of course, the themes of today's show are going to be about the chaos that reigned across the country over the course of the past week. Again, is there a definitive favorite for the NCAA title at this point? We had three number one seeds and regular season champs in their conference fail to win the conference tournament. Again, these are the themes we want to discuss on today's show as we try to prepare all of you college tennis fans for the next month of May Madness, for the next month of the NCAA tournament. And of course, if we're going to try and do that here at Cracked Rackets, I better have someone to help me along the way. Thankfully, I do each and every week on this show. And I do once again today as joining me on the podcast, as he does every Tuesday night, is a returning champion here on our Cracked Rackets shows. Of course, your co-favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com, founder, of the No Ad No Problem blog, and of course, our West Coast correspondent here for all things college tennis. It's our friend John J. Parsons. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. I don't know if you can smell that in the air out at Stanford, but I'm smelling postseason play in the air. You're getting the vibes. You're getting the energies, the nervousness, the 4-3 results.
1: It feels like it's postseason time here in the 2022 college tennis season. Yeah, it's starting to feel like May. Right. And this is our this is our last deciding point before we have the NCAA draws. How crazy is that? So I that is I, that
0: just sunk in.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We're there. We made we, it. Well, yeah, we are there next week. We'll be talking about the draws. So, I mean, this was a I mean, uh, thinking about the show this week, you think, you know, there's a few key results over the weekend. You just look at the the conference championships this weekend. I mean, it's like. 20 results, 30 results. We could actually dive in on. There was so much action this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday it was jam packed. So many different results and, you know, things kept falling and chaos reigned.
0: And clearly that is going to be a theme again of the next month of play. If you are expecting a straightforward NCAA tournament, you just haven't been paying attention uh, to the college tennis action. We've seen unfold over the course of this season. And again, Shout out to John, who sends an outline to myself and super producer Daniel Westoff every week. What we're going to do to organize ourselves through some of this chaos is break down each of those Power Five conference tournaments, but try to keep things focused. So, of course, we'll talk about the finals at length. Then we'll talk about our match of the tournament. Jay and I may disagree in that category. Ooh. We'll offer three non finals takeaways and so much more. Again, it's a jam packed show. Appreciate all of you who are joining us live on our YouTube channel. Channel here. And if you haven't, as Jay mentioned, not that many shows to go. So 9 p.m. Eastern Time every Tuesday on our YouTube channel, we talk about the women. Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we talk about the men. Of course, the reason we're able to do that week in, week out here at Crack Rackets is because of the support we get from all of you. And again, coaches, players, fans. We remain immensely grateful that so many of you in the college tennis community have embraced what we're trying to do here at crack Rackets. I'll tell you this, we've got a gem of a Cracked Interviews podcast for all of you this week as I am joined by perhaps the greatest of club tennis alumni, SMU men's tennis head coach Grant Chen to talk about his team's run to uh, through an undefeated conference season, but uh, perhaps more importantly, just big picture items in college tennis. Grant Chen, a guy who has dedicated so much time to growing the sport, not only within the college tennis framework, but beyond as well. It's a fun conversation that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, again, have to give a shout out to our friends at Swing Vision and Turna as well. And you all know the deal. Swing Vision is on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the sport. And you can have access to those innovations on your phone as you can download the Swing Vision app today. When you do, you're going to have access to data that you've never had before from your tennis game. All you got to do Download the app, set it up while you hit. It will record your session, break down all the film for you. Errors, winners, forehands, backhands, you name it. It'll show it to you. You can learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast or listening to my conversation with Swing Vision CEO Swap Sahai on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed today. When you sign up, make sure you use that promo code CRACK20. You'll get a $20 discount, a 14-day pro trial as well. Again, click on the link in the description of this podcast to learn more. Of course, a huge shout out to our friends at Turner as well who've been supporting this show for quite a bit of time. And we're immensely grateful for that fact because we'd like to be associated with those names synonymous with success in tennis. And I think all of us know at least one person who's using Turner grips on their racket. But did you know Turner's got more than just grips, folks? They've got strings and so many more things that can help accentuate the finer features of your game. To join the Turner team today, you contact sales at uniquesports.com. Mention we sent you. You'll get discounted pricing, free samples. They'll treat you like family. Family. Again, contact sales at UniqueSports.com today to join the Turner family. With all of that said, Jay, let's get into one all the thing action. Before we oh, get I like it. A little, a little juice. Is it trivia?
1: It's not trivia. I got That's later on. Okay. Grant Chen, clearly in the Club Tennis Hall of Fame. Where does the Gruskin resume stack up?
0: Great question. I'm glad that's where we're starting here today and on the precipice of our five-year anniversary of the title. I mean, I feel like I, I this whole month I have the right to bring it up. Max Kohler, volunteer assistant at Oklahoma Men's Tennis. He deserves a shout-out because certainly he's taken club tennis status to uh, certain heights. I like to think the three of us are on the Mount Rushmore. I was going mean, to say, are
1: you on the Rushmore? <sighs>
0: when they let me so i got really mad at my little brother who is currently a sophomore at penn for not playing club tennis nationals this year he was busy i don't know with a real world thing uh, which i get but i told him when his team makes nationals i will hard you know full court press the usda to let me do the club tennis national championships let me come down there to orlando for the broadcast once i add that feather to the cap then i think it's mount rushmore status i don't know All if right. i'm quite there yet and i'm definitely like I'm sure in 2003, like not Martin Blackman, but the non-playing equivalent of Martin Blackman in the USTA organization, like maybe he played club tennis or she played club tennis as well.
1: Okay, so a Rushmore adjacent, we'll keep that in mind.
0: I'm like a docent. at at a minimum, and they're debating what to do with my face. But with that said, uh, let's talk about the college tennis action, the serious championships we saw unfold over the course of the past week. Although, shout out to UCLA, back-to-back club tennis championships. That doesn't happen too frequently, and that is tennis on campus. And it does involve college tennis. And I imagine a lot of listeners to this podcast in college who are not playing may perhaps participate in the club tennis programs on their campus. So I don't hate this shout out ever, but... Let's shout out all of our power five conference champs. And I think the conference we want to start with is the big 12, because I do think you can make an argument that Texas comes into the NCAA tournament in as good of form as any team in the country. And this Texas team earns its signature victory of the season. As you see on the headline on our screen, nobody, Beats the defending NCAA chance thrice in a season as Texas knocks off Red River rival Oklahoma 4-2. I mean, I think the place we have to start with this match and the storyline for this Texas team, sometimes, especially, obviously, they've got the depth component. We'll get into that. But sometimes when you have the best player in the country, that player can just have a day where they take over on the court. And everything they touch is gold. And that team's performance, uh, that player's performance, spearheads everything else the team does. It was one of those days for Peyton Stearns, who, of course, entered the weekend as the number two player in the country. She's yet to drop a match on the dual match season. She's, oh, and
1: she's oh, lost once.
0: She, she's lost once. Excuse me. Thank you. You're right. When, again, this is why we love you, Jay. Oh, and O oh over Sleeth, which again, Sleeth is a grinder. Sleeth is someone who's going to sink her teeth into a match. She's just going to make you work physically. She did not have a weapon to hurt Peyton Stearns with on this day. This was one of those days where that Peyton Stearns serve forehand combination dictated everything from the start to finish of this match. And for what it's worth mentioning, you know, it's worth mentioning for Peyton Stearns, who is now uh, partnered with Zamaripa at the number one double spot. They've climbed up to number 15 in the country. They earn a 6-3 win over the Cordleys as well. Shavatapan gets a win over guzman kylie collins gets a win over carmen corley this ncaa championship winning core for texas they're getting hot at exactly the right moment tell me why you know make is there any argument like aren't they as hot as any team in the country right now
1: i mean they're certainly one of the hottest teams right i mean more so just the than just winning the big 12 championship, but obviously the manner in which they did it. Right. I mean, we're just focusing on the final right now, but Peyton Stearns lost five games in her three matches that zero 0 win over Sleeth was preceded by an zero one victory over Oklahoma state. So just pretty outlandish. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're the hottest team right now. They're starting to hit their stride. Certainly a great win for Shavathaban, who has struggled throughout the season. But those three are obviously hitting their stride in terms of Shavathaban and Collins, both about nine and two since, I believe, that Oklahoma match. So they're playing well. You know, level of competition hasn't been as strong during the end of their regular season but they blitzed through this tournament and um, they were just dominant in singles and in, in doubles as well. But singles was, was extremely impressive. And you've talked about this kind of all season. Like when you have that nucleus who has the experience of winning the NCAAs and that postseason experience, they absolutely showed that off at, at this, at this tournament.
0: Yeah. And you know, again, did Zana Lova get earn her first loss of the season? She did three and one at the number three spot to a fellow freshman in Janta, but She's still 17 and one overall on the season. To your point, Stern's 20 and one, but she's won 12 in a row. And again, after struggling all at the beginning of the season, Charlotte Schwartzpahn now seven and two in her last 10, 13 and 8 overall in the year, 10 and 3 at that number four spot. But you know, again, for her this uh past week played some exceptional tennis and a four and two win over Dana Guzman, uh, epitomizing that fact. I mean, this team has always had the depth and you know, for them, I think a big result, one of the quiet ones for Vrutsky to go three sets with Emma Staker. I mean, again, to continue that rivalry of the Texas six versus Emma Staker, Staker's as good of a number six singles as you're going to find in the country. And clearly, Texas, every time they've played Oklahoma, has been competitive at that spot. You also look for this Texas team. They may not have been a perennial top five team in our conversations throughout the course of the year, but let's be clear, they're 20 and four. Two of those losses to Oklahoma. One of them, four three on the road, a match they had match. You know, again, they very easily could have won that match.
1: The other loss against NC State. You're talking about?
0: Uh, did I say what did I say? Oklahoma. You didn't,
1: they didn't say anything.
0: Oh, uh, you know, that was against Oklahoma. Excuse me. I'm um, in their road match. That was one of their two losses. Oh, oh Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah uh, sorry. Yeah, yep. excuse they have no, match points. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's the match. one they have match points. Yep. They're right there. They could have won one of them. They ultimately beat Oklahoma this past weekend to get over that hump. NC state four, three loss on the road. Yeah. NC state struggled of late, but that was when NC state was right in the midst of their stride and to yep. go there and lose four, three on the road, not a bad loss. The fact that the argument that this team's worst loss, you could say, is a 5 2 loss at Stanford, which traditionally, like, no one wins at Stanford. So I don't, again, I don't think that's a bad loss either. This team's really good, and they've earned some signature victories now to beat Oklahoma State during the Big 12 regular season, who's a top 10 team to beat this Oklahoma team that had just had their number throughout the course of the year. And then, I mean, again, big 4-3 win at Baylor as well at the end of the regular season. All of the parts are hitting their stride. And again, you look for this Texas team for them uh, to go through this weekend, take the doubles point over Oklahoma, but drop the doubles point against Oklahoma State, still find the four singles victories they need, all of them coming in straight sets. And the most games they lost in singles against Oklahoma State was three in an individual match. I mean. That's domination. You just you don't do that unless you're in the NCA conversation. And with all of the faltering in the ACC, why not pick the team that's got the three players that have done this before in May?
1: Yeah. I think it's a really valid argument. Uh, you know, certainly doubles has come to fruition. I remember writing about that Oklahoma, uh, Texas Stanford match. And one of the things that had been an Achilles heel for Texas outside of some of their singles was doubles. And they just hadn't found the pairings they've experimented so much this season. They've now taken the past two doubles points against Oklahoma, both in identical fashion at a tiebreak at number two, but they're finding doubles. They're finding success with the pairings that, makes this a tough team to beat because fighting four singles off of this team with the close to lock you're going to have with Peyton Stearns at number one. It's a challenging, challenging ask for any team in the country.
0: Yeah. And again, uh, I I do think for this Oklahoma team, for it to be Stearns and Shavata upon playing as well as they did throughout the course of the week, that's just I think that's a really big note uh, for this group. And again, you're starting to see what a match calculus could look like for this team. They're 39 and 18 overall in individual double sets on the years. They're figuring uh, their things out. That is for sure one of the biggest takeaways from the week. And on the flip side, we've talked about Oklahoma so much this season. I'm writing off the sleeve loss. Oh, no, that has everything to do with pain Stearns. That has nothing to do with my confidence in Lane Sleeve, who I will go to war with 10 out of 10 days of, the, you know, seven out of seven days of the week. I was going to say 10 out of 10. Hey, great shot. Uh, seven out of uh, seven of the days of the week. And, you know, again, Chanta gets a win at the number three single spot. Staker was doing her thing at six. The match hasn't started until the third set begins for Emma Staker. There is no panic. There is no concern about this Oklahoma team heading into May. I guess we talk about it all the time. Do you know how hard it is to beat a team twice, let alone three times throughout the course of the season? They've just seen everything, and to lose the first two, particularly to lose the one at Oklahoma in the fashion that they did, this is the match Texas has been circling since losing that 4-3 match in Norman earlier this season. I don't even think we need to entertain the big picture panic button question. It's just simply a matter of, again, As you look for this Oklahoma team, you know, I'm not worried about the doubles either. It's just what do I do with Dana Guzman, you know, Ivana Corley, Pisa Reva, all these different pieces. What do I want to do if you're Coach Cohen? It's a good question to face, but now the NCAA tournament's about to begin. And I do think it's a bit of a question.
1: Well, yeah, let's be clear. This match was decided by a few points in the doubles yeah. tiebreak, right? If that goes a different way, we're talking about a third set with Emma Staker again. And, so, yeah, exactly. and we've been there before. We've been there before. The margins between these two teams are clearly very, very slim. You know, yeah, they didn't get the win today. You play that match 10 times. like going to be probably different every time. So my biggest question for Oklahoma is – what are we doing with Ivana Corley and Dana Guzman? Ivana Corley, MVP at indoors, 8-0 in both singles and doubles. They're only playing one at one time. They're like, neither of these are Tim Siebert here. Like, they're both extremely (laughs) qualified players. It's a little strange. So I don't know if it's a matchup thing. Um, That's been interesting. Doubles wasn't as good at this tournament as they have been throughout the season. The Corleys, I think, lost twice there. That is a bummer for them. So I think you work on doubles. You feel confident that you can find three. And if you need to, four singles, I don't feel any different about this Oklahoma team than I did coming into the tournament.
0: I completely agree with you. There's still tier one in my mind. Here's the question we talked about looking big picture, sifting through this chaos to try and make some sense heading into may. Is this Texas team tier one now for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think tier one has expanded. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so or has it expanded or do we have to change your definition? Well, the definition is national title contender. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You, like to, you no, like to I
0: play agree. with the definition. No, I agree. <laughs> and, and I do think Texas unequivocally belongs in that conversation. Now they've played their way into it.
1: A hundred percent. Right. I mean, if they continue to play good in doubles, if shavathapon keeps showing up, that is a tough out for any team at four. You're going to have, this is a, three-point team right and collins on any given day can beat anyone look can they repeat that performance well they did it last year right that's the big question like the the texas we saw at this big 12 championship was the texas we saw at the ncaa tournament Mm -hmm. can they repeat that was this the weekend we'll have to see
0: and here's the massive victory Oklahoma, always going to stay at that number two spot. They were too good at the indoors, too good through the big 12 regular season where they ran the the gauntlet undefeated. They're still number two in the country following this loss. Texas is up to three uh, in the projected rankings with their victory. That's massive. And I mean, they're going to be top eight for certain, which means you get to host your first three rounds in Austin. And again, to be a top three seed now, perhaps instead of, in Oklahoma State or an Ohio State in that round of 16, uh, you're gonna face perhaps a, a Florida or a UCLA or a Stanford, one of those teams instead. And boy, what a Texas Stanford rematch. I'm thinking about that now. Right now, I believe Stanford currently in the projector rankings, they're number 15. That would be a fun <laughs> a rematch. Joke. Uh yeah, that would that would be the one we deserve um this time in Austin. But yeah, I agree with you. Oklahoma unequivocally still tier one, Texas is the, is the big story. They jumped their way into that conversation. Now we look at the rest of this big 12 uh, conference tournament and certainly again, plenty of other results. We could talk about semifinals. Again, Oklahoma state takes the doubles point, but Texas routes them in the singles. And again, I think this has more to do with Texas than it does with Oklahoma state. The big news, Kansas four, one win over Baylor. I mean, again, it's one match in the, Big picture of things, but you look right now at the Big 12 conference. You know, talk to me about your match of the tournament. Talk to me about your takeaways from this event.
1: Yeah, well, overall the Big 12 was a little more quiet in terms sure. of, of results. Uh the matches of the tournament for me, again, finals excluded here, was Oklahoma State beating Texas Tech. Um, you know, that was a 4-3 win. And, you know, that was that was close. I mean, those three, those six matches, um, I believe were mostly in straight sets, but, you know, doubles really decided that match. It, it told me that the Texas Tech team originally early in the season, I think we had higher hopes for they've struggled, but they've come on strong towards the end of the year and to play Oklahoma State should give them a lot of confidence heading into NCAAs.
0: Yeah, I mean, seven of the big 12, te- uh, seven of the 10 big 12 teams are going to get into the NCAA tournament. And you've been like Kansas State, TCU battling for that final positioning at the end. Kansas State gets one of the wins they need. Unfortunately, obviously, weren't able to knock off Oklahoma in the quarterfinals. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I do think if Kansas, which you look right now at the rankings, they're number 25 in the projected rankings. That's a frisky number two seed, wherever they're going to get sent. Obviously Oklahoma state's going to be a top 16 seed and they played an exceptional, uh, big 12 season have been really, really good, uh, since turning healthy again, 18, uh, since getting fully healthy, 18 and five overall on the year if Baylor beats Miami in the kickoff weekend, maybe we're talking about this Baylor team completely differently. Uh, And right now they're 26 in the projected rankings. But again, that's going to be a two seed with a ton of veteran talent in Iowa state. You know, they hold seed, they get to the quarter, you know, they do what they were supposed to do throughout the course of the season. They're going to be interesting to finally get to see on the national stage, Texas tech teams, always scrappy uh, at this portion of the season. Do you think we get 3 Big 12 sweet 16 teams or do you think we get more? I would go with 3. Yeah, you think it's just going to be the three top 16 Texas oh, you know which of the, how about that? Which of those non top 3 teams are most likely to get to the sweet 16?
1: Well, that's a total crapshoot, right? Yeah. Um, just because the two seeds aren't, just because you're 25 doesn't mean you're going to be slotted with the relevant, um, sure. whatever it is, the corresponding, uh, top corresponding, exactly. So that makes it really tough to tell. Uh, I thought Kansas, uh, was my big takeaway. I thought they looked really good. They've improved, right? I mean, they beat Baylor 4-1. They had just lost to them a few weeks ago, so I thought they acquitted themselves quite well against Oklahoma. So I would bet Kansas if there is one of these teams to, to make it through. Yeah,
0: they're going to be dangerous. I mean, again, you look for the future of this Big 12. Pretty bright when you look at all
1: these teams. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. What was the set? Seven of the ten? Yeah, to seven it? of the ten into the tournament. That's really solid. And obviously, I mean, we're talking about a conference that has the defending national championship, champion Oklahoma, who's top two, Texas now top three. And I just think that that next tier is so solid, right? I mean, Oklahoma State, a level above, but then you have Iowa State, Baylor, Kansas you know, that's what you need in your conference. You need those teams ranked in the twenties and the early thirties match of the tournament for you. You have
0: Oklahoma state over Texas tech four three, proving my Texas tech is frisky theory. Um, but I would disagree. I would say Texas beating Oklahoma has to be the match of the tournament. Just the significance to get over the hump in that third try. And just a reminder of the experience. I mean, again, I would just put match of the tournament as Peyton Stearns at the number one <laughs> spot. All of the matches she played were the matches of the tournament. But I, can't, I mean, again, that's a go to win for Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I like to give myself rules, and I excluded <laughs> all of the finals from match of the turn from match of the tournament because I knew we were going to do a big section on it. Yeah. Um, but before we move on, speaking of your match of the tournament being Peyton Stearns, it is very likely that one or both of Peyton Stearns and Emma Navarro do not return next year. If we do not get a Peyton Stearns, Emma Navarro matchup in Illinois, that is highway robbery. It is what we all deserve. We absolutely need to see that happen, whether it's in the team or the individual. We'd be remiss not to see that.
0: I have too much riding on the Connie Ma has to make an NCAA final take. So I'm fine if she wants to knock that out this year. Um, Yeah, that'd be a hell of a I mean, they're both playing exceptional tennis. I would be fine. Like what if it's a Chloe back final? I mean Chloe's been so good this year and so good throughout the course of the past 2
1: it does, years. It could be in the first round. I want to see the match, <laughs> right? We just, we've they've never played in college and so yeah, that would okay. be really unfortunate given that they've been the two best players over the Two of the best players of the past of their two years.
0: You know, I accept that as your answer. And by the way, Dendaloo, the Yankee, who's watching live, he agrees with us. Texas absolutely can win the NCAA tournament. Well, that's our biggest takeaway from the Big 12. Let's move on next to the SEC. And I think the chaos in this tournament happened outside of the headline, which is, of course, Texas A&M winning uh, the SEC tournament title A&M victories over Vanderbilt, Florida, and Georgia on their way to that SEC tournament victory. Of course, interesting to note, 4-2 victory over Vanderbilt, who is not the hottest team in the country entering the NCAA tournament. But, oh, my God, have they played better over the course of the past month compared to the first two, which were – I will say disastrous. We can yeah. say it now because they got out of the jam, but boy, we would have been talking a lot about Vanderbilt being one of the dis- most disappointing teams of the season. They have played much better uh, down the year's home stretch. That's again, AM beats them 4 2, 4 3 over Florida, which I'm sure we'll talk about in consideration for match of the tournament. But then, you know, AM does what AM does 4 0 victory. Again, a shutout over Georgia in the final. Tatiana Makarova continues. Her winning way, she's your tournament MVP, and she gets a victory over Vian Manova in the final. Her and JC Goldsmith, I believe, undefeated throughout the course of the tournament as well. We spent a lot of time talking about Texas A&M. I will say this, in doing my top 25 rankings for the Tennis Channel poll this week, in doing our top 16 for our Cracked Rackets rankings this week, I had no idea what to do with the number one spot in the rankings because North Carolina lost, you know, Oklahoma lost, Texas has had a really good season, but they've lost twice to Oklahoma. I can't have them ranked above Oklahoma right now. I have AM at number one in the country and it's kind of by default, which is not the kindest thing to say to coach Weaver and Aggie nation. At the same time, this team has not lost since February. They have the longest win streak in the country and they got pushed this weekend whether it was against Vanderbilt, against Florida. I mean, they made it so that Georgia could not push them, although it's worth noting Georgia playing this weekend again without Liam Ma at the number one spot, which we can talk about momentarily. That said, I mean, epitomizing the final result. They take the doubles point. It's a win at one, and then Brandstein and Stoyana, two new contributors to this team, went at the number two double spot. Then it's Makarova, the, the, the senior. Goldsmith the senior and Stoyana the freshman getting the job done over Georgia in the final again I know Townsend lost a match this weekend and I think Gian- Gianna Pilett has struggled a bit relatively at the number five spot and that she's winning in three sets as opposed to her teammates who are winning in straights but Brandstein and Riasco go three sets I have no issue with Carson and her level I feel like she's going to be competitive at the number one spot again I think this team has the best if not top two doubles point in the country. They're number one. Like they, I mean, they're not going to be the number one seed at the NCAA tournament, but they're the number one, I think anecdotally right now, because they just haven't lost in months.
1: So are we doing your Texas A&M number one take now? Do we want to talk about the match? Yeah, where no, do I start? Uh, you tell me, Jay, this is where the, the floor is yours. So I think what you forgot to mention in the Texas A&M run to the SEC title is, they actually didn't win a match at five or six. They were zero and four in their first two rounds, and they DNF'd uh, after splitting sets in the final.
0: I feel Without worse. Without Townsend, by the way, they pulled Kachi well, like, Townsend from pulled the Pulled her
1: because she because she lost.
0: Well, uh, but 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 it, again, you have to point that out, right? It was Jeanette Morales in the final because, like, that is a lineup question.
1: That's a lineup question for them, absolutely. So, I think it's really crazy to have Texas A and M at one number one right now. It's like, really, really crazy. They don't have a single top 10 win on the season. Yeah. it's These crazy. other teams that we're talking about, North Carolina has five. Oklahoma has five. Duke has five. Texas and Virginia have three.
0: I would point out though that, you know, they've beaten number 13, Georgia, twice. They've beaten Auburn. They have beaten Florida twice. It's like, if we go to the top 16 wins, what, then they've got five.
1: How many think, do you think UNC has? Right. How more, many do you think than, Virginia? Well,
0: I, but I'm sure the gap is narrowed. Like it's not as severe when you do the top 16 framework versus top 10. And I think top eight, like if you wanted to say top eight wins, you know, I, I think that's got to be the distinction.
1: All right. Top eight wins. It's still like four, four, two and two and zero. Yeah, right. I don't mean, sure, have that, you're right. that data. You cannot make a team number one in the country when they haven't beat another elite team in the country. Yes, they play who they is in front of them. But they also scheduled really poorly this year for us to be in this conversation, right? You look at a team like Ohio State who goes on the road against NC State, Duke, Georgia. That's what you need to do if you want to prove that you're the best team in the country. Not play Prairie View, and so I, it's I, it's it's ridiculous to have Texas A&M at number one right now. I'll caveat, they might be the best team in the country. We just don't know, and so I. It's, pretty wild to me to have them as number one right now it was almost by default again i
0: just i couldn't give it to unc because they've lost twice in the past two weeks i couldn't give it to oklahoma coming off of a loss against texas it just didn't feel right and i just didn't feel right giving it to texas either who yeah has the wins over oklahoma and oklahoma stayed and cal twice but like i mean again a m has run the gauntlet through the SEC. It is so rare to get an undefeated champ. And when we
1: do, it's- It happened Vandu- last year. Well, <laughs> that's true. Georgia, Georgia was undefeated in the SEC last year. Yeah, This is I, actually a really I good throw, comp. Hold on, I, this is a really good comp. Georgia goes undefeated in the SEC regular season. They win the conference championship. They don't drop a point in the conference championship. How did they look at the and national at NCAA tournament? But it's not a they really underperformed.
0: But it's not a direct comparison to me because when I saw Texas A&M at the national indoors from an eye test perspective, they belonged on the tier with the Oklahomas, with the UNCs, and I know they lose their first match to Cal four three. We're not relitigating that again. Don't worry. Um, the point being this team passed the eye test at the national indoors and they win their next two matches. And again, they played the national indoors with Georgia did not uh during the 2021 season. I, I think their undefeated streak through the sec is different than Georgia's was last year. I think there's more context to it. And I do think you're right. I don't, it's not a horrible comparison, but I, I still you think of the undefeated teams, right? The Vanderbilt's of the world, the Florida's of the world. When they go undefeated, they go on to national finals or national championship sorts of runs. You're right. Like right a now, A&F, different by the SEC. way, A&F a very six, different SEC. and they're six in the rankings, which is a testament to the fact that they don't have the strongest resume of the bunch. Well, it's a, At the, at the yeah. same time, they have like okay, if you ask the team, well, tell me about your losses this year. You, they'd say you mean our loss? Like it's this team has found answers whenever they've needed it throughout the course of the season.
1: Yeah. So is I mean, is Oklahoma's two losses to UNC in the national indoors final and to Texas worse than AM's one loss to Cal? No, it's pretty similar. They're third for the record.
0: And by the way, the problem is on the poll, I can't say tied for first, right? Like that's a cop out. I think I would have done that. I would just have a a multi-way tie for first right now and say no one's in first. Or we'd vacate the number one spot and we'd just move everyone down because I don't think there is a clear cut number one. You can't do that when you submit your poll.
1: I think think it is very true. I think there is a very valid case for many teams to be number one. Texas A&M is not on that list for me. But um, I don't want to uh um,
0: that's well, that's where we yeah, this is good. This is where again this ain't good. Dou- continue to doubt us. It's it's played well for us, us AM faithful. Yeah, all year long. I mean, now I think I'm I'm steering the bandwagon with all the cheerleading I've done for this AM team. I do think there's a point to be made though, to what you're saying. This is not the strongest SEC year. I do think the conference is pretty deep, but it's the strength up top. Like again, AM's your one top ten team. And I'm curious if you think this weekend's results as we look beyond AM and prove that. And I mean, for Georgia to earn the victories they did this weekend and, you know, to get to that final, you look at what Georgia was able to do. They, uh, excuse me, knock off uh, Tennessee 4-3 in the semifinals. Tennessee, who earned a fantastic 4-2 win over Auburn uh, in the quarterfinals. Georgia also the 4-2 win over South Carolina. Obviously, South Carolina's played some really good tennis down the season's home stretch. For Georgia to do all of that without Leah Ma, like, again, it is a bit of an indictment on the conference. Y-
1: your words. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought it was an impressive performance to Georgia to do that without Leah Ma. Yeah, right? it, it,
0: that's probably their most impressive streak of the season.
1: Yeah, and Vid is still clearly struggling from her injury. She doesn't seem to be moving as well as she was earlier in the season as she was as dominant. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, this Georgia team is talented, but again, what we've talked about is it's tough to rely on two freshmen, right, as like the core of this lineup. And when you're not getting points on the board from your fifth years or your seniors, it's going to be tough come postseason.
0: Allison Ojeda is a close friend of this Crack Rackets program, and I always feel like saying that before I say something like this. Tennessee is the team I want to see the least as my number two seed in the NCAA tournament. They just have options. Everywhere yeah. They are such a deep team and you could argue the discrepancy between number one and six singles in terms of quality is as, mo- are, you know, as small as you're going to see on any team in the country, but they have six players. So you could just say, Hey, you're going to play here today. You're going to play here today. We're going to put you there. We're going to do this here. And like they can find three singles victories in every match. Now, I believe they've only lost one match this season when they've won the doubles point. That was at home at against Vanderbilt uh, a couple of weeks ago. If they get doubles points, just their depth is extraordinary. And again, for them to get a 4-2 victory over an Auburn team, that's the sort of top 16 victory this team has been chasing all year long. They finally get it. They follow up and play Georgia extraordinarily close as well. That's one of my three biggest non-finals takeaways from the tournament is that I do think at uh, Tennessee is my most dangerous number two seed because they're not going to be top 16. Talk to me about what you saw.
1: Yeah, that win over Auburn was my match of the tournament. Uh, you know, I thought that was super impressive. They had just lost to Auburn a few weeks ago, 6-1. Yep. You know, these this Tennessee team, we thought would kind of had the season Auburn had, right? When you talk about that, um, you know, minimal drop-offs between one all the way down to six. And this just had the, the charisma of a college tennis match, right? It was a Friday night under the lights. Um, Mertena came back. deep down in the the tie break in the second, come back and win that in the third set. Uh, This was a really good victory for this Tennessee team that should give them a lot of confidence moving into NCAAs.
0: Yeah, all the pieces, Tomase, Kutzer, Sheena, again, the win... They haven't had a match where all six of them played well, it felt like, until this NCA tournament. And, yeah. again, to have them clicking on all cylinders, you saw the passion on the video tweeted out uh, after the match of them celebrating in the locker room. And there was no letdown. I mean, again, the next day they play a 4-3 match against Georgia. I think that's one of the biggest takeaways. Where are you with Florida entering the NCAA tournament? Because, to me, they're one of the biggest unknowns of the postseason.
1: Yeah. It's been interesting. I mean, I think they definitely deserve, I mean, they deserve their top 16 seed, right? They played A&M super close um, and that came down to a tiebreak in dubs and they took three singles off of Texas A&M. So this is a team that I would say is a very dangerous number two seed that or top 16 seed, you know, that's going to be, I think they looked good in the SEC tournament. Obviously it helps it was played at home, um, but I thought I was impressed with how close they played AM. um, something that a lot of these teams didn't do throughout the regular season.
0: Yeah. I would also say four, one, win over Arkansas is pretty impressive result for them in the quarterfinals. I mean, again, when you look at this sec conference, I do have to give a shout out to Kentucky who goes winless during the regular season. They get a massive victory over LSU, who is ready to put this 2022 yeah. season to bed. No doubt about that. But again, Uh, You look at this SEC conference, they have, I believe, in the end, nine of their 14 teams into the tournament. Old Miss right now, 46, but they're probably going to be just on the outside. I mean, again, I do think the SEC is very deep. Like, I think Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Alabama, I would probably leave Alabama out of that list, no disrespect. They're all teams capable of pulling off an upset depending on where they go. I think all of those teams can get to the second round of the NCAA tournament, but I do think this is a conference that could produce, you know, let's say they get four top eight uh top 16 seeds. Not going to shock me if one of Tennessee, South Carolina, Vanderbilt or Arkansas puts pulls off an upset on the road.
1: Yeah, I would be surprised. Okay. I
0: Yeah. I'm telling you, Tennessee, I just have this feeling like that team, I've yet to see them peak in a match. And I think they finally started to peak this weekend. And that's why they're particularly
1: dangerous. I would say a lot of these teams have momentum, right? It feels like of all these conferences, like there are a lot of SEC teams with a narrative. Florida, like Florida can make that argument now, too, finally. Exactly. There's a good narrative for Tennessee, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Auburn. There's a lot of teams coming in here feeling like they've righted the ship after potentially a not as good start to the season. So yeah, maybe it wouldn't surprise me if they were to make the round of 16 as a a number two seed.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned earlier match of the tournament, Tennessee over Auburn four, three, I would agree with you there. Again, there were a lot of good ones uh, in this sec event. All right. With that said, let's move to the West coast. And this was one we circled as perhaps the biggest question mark. What was going to happen? Because Stanford USC, UCLA, all floating right around that number 16 mark in the ITA rankings. Of course, the team that was the hottest coming into the Pac-12 tournament was Arizona State, who continued their freaking winning ways over the course of the action at the Ohio. And ultimately, Arizona State knocks off USC for three in the quarterfinals, knocks off Cal four three in the semifinals. Their run finally ended in the finals by the Stanford Cardinal who win their fourth PAC 12 tournament title in the past five seasons, Stanford 4 one win impressive over UCLA in the semifinals. They then close out that four, two victory in the final over Arizona state. Again, all due respect to Stanford another week. I still don't know what to make of this freaking PAC 12. Like, I honestly feel better about Arizona state than I think I do any other team in the conference.
1: Like that team is just
0: freaking good.
1: Yeah. And that was a, that was a very close final there. I mean, Stanford fought off four match points in doubles. They played
0: four, three matches the two days before.
1: Yeah. And then they came out and took four first sets against Stanford. So it felt like maybe Stanford had a little bit more in the gas after having more straightforward matches, this Arizona state talk about a tough number two seed. Kind of is a bummer. They're going to fall probably just outside the top 16. That's a team no one wants to, <laughs> to see in their, in their draw. Um, but overall, I think the Stanford and Arizona state, you probably have to feel best about. I thought that was a really good win for Stanford over UCLA. And I thought it was a gritty performance in the final.
0: Arizona state four, three loss to Auburn on the kickoff weekend, four, three losses at Oregon at Washington. That was, you know, uh, or four three loss at home against Washington, you know they got knocked off on the LA swing by USC and UCLA lost to Oklahoma State earlier this season as well. But sixteen and seven overall in the year they went eleven and one at home throughout the course of this season. And again, you look at the different pieces, whether it's uh, Patricia Spakos fourteen and one overall in the year. You feel so good about her at the bottom of the lineup. She's six and one. In her last 10, Sedona Gallagher, 10 and three at the number three spot. She's seven and two in her last 10. I mean, just again, uh, whether it's uh, uh, Jankowski as well, who's eight and two in her last 10, 13 and three overall on the season. She's lost her last two, but this team can play. Like they've got a ton of options, 32 and 13 in doubles on the season as well. They fight. They're a lot of grinders. Like again, you're gonna get your court time in when you're playing Arizona State. It's I know Stanford won the tournament, but I actually think the rise of this Arizona State team is the biggest storyline of the Pac-12 down its, you know, home stretch of this 2022 season. That said, you look for this Stanford team, who again, it's a really nice victory uh, over and on fire. Arizona State team 4-2. And it's a match where, as you mentioned, Stanford takes the doubles point, but drops four first sets and yet still manages to find victories. And, you know, again, Angelica Blake is playing some really good tennis right now. Yeah. She went 0-0 over Gallagher. Uh, we've talked about the struggles of Connie Ma. Well, Connie Ma, three and four win uh at the number one spot over Morley, who hasn't had the best season for Arizona State, but still Connie Ma' struggled down the season home stretch. She gets a straight set win. And then Yepa done it all year long for this team. And she gets ultimately a fitting clinch uh, at that number two single spot after dropping a first set seven, six, she takes it six, seven, six, two, six, two. You're the Stanford expert. I mean, again, Sarah Troy lost the match at number six singles uh, in this battle, but where the Cardinal right now, as I mentioned, 15th in the ITA projected rankings, they are the conference tournament champion. They probably hold on to a top 16 seed in the end. I mean, number. it feels like we're back in the uh, mid 2010s, uh, mid mid, you know, early teens seeded Stanford team going into the NCAA tournament. We've seen that that recipe do damage. You know, the Cardinals do damage with that recipe before. Where are you with this team?
1: Yeah, th- this team is not those teams. Um, a very different sentiment for those teams when they were under just being like, that's ridiculous. They are clearly a top five team. I don't think that's the sense with this team. I think that one of the big components here is Connie Ma, right? She snapped her four match losing streak. She's back. Maybe she had a good conference tournament. She didn't lose. Um, you know, she was about to lose to Abby Forbes, but that's fine. Um, so that's a key, a key component for them. I think the big question is going to be at the bottom of the lineup. Obviously Connie Ma, if she's playing well, Yepa Fanova, Blake, how she's playing those three can hang. Questions is just at the bottom of the lineup. They've been dicey in doubles. So this was a great performance from them, particularly against UCLA as well. And look, you can never underestimate Stanford, right? Underestimate them at your own peril. But I don't think that they have the the depth required to really go all the way this year.
0: I mean, you look for this Stanford team, 17 and five overall on the season, a 4-3 loss to Virginia, 4-3 loss to UCSB, 4-1 loss at Pepperdine, you know, 4-2 at Arizona State. That's a loss that's appreciated with time. 5-2 at Cal. Not the worst superficial set of results for this Stanford team. Of course, you look at the stats and what this team has been able to accomplish throughout the course of the season. You know, Moss 14 and five overall in the year. It's pretty solid. Uh, For the freshmen, Yepifanova nineteen and three, Blake eighteen and four. You feel pretty good about this top three against anyone. Again, superficially, Valencia shoes sixteen and two, Sarah Choi is eighteen and four. Like again, this team's got options everywhere in singles, and you always were you. Go back to the kickoff weekend where they're a heartbeat away from knocking off Virginia. Maybe this Stanford team's way better positioned if they do make the national indoors Certainly they would be just because they'd have had three more high level matches on their schedule. Again, I don't feel bad about USC, a 4 3 loss to Arizona State. I still think they're playing much better tennis down the season's home stretch. I know UCLA lost 4 1 to Stanford, but I thought that had more to do with Stanford than the Bruins. I do think UCLA, again, I have no, idea. maybe it turns out the Pac-12 is exceptional and like all four of these teams go on runs, or maybe it turns out they've all been beaten up on each other because there is no elite team out West this season. I come out of this Pac-12 tournament. That's one of my three, you know, probably my biggest of the non-finals takeaways, but like Cal right now, you look for where they're at in the rankings. And I want to transition, obviously, to you here. Cal's now down to number 11 in the projected range. And again, Stanford, 16, Arizona State, 17, UCLA, 18, USC, 19. Pac-12 is probably not going to get a top uh, top eight seed. Pepperdine right now is projected ranking at eight as well. It's going to be a photo finish for all those teams out west.
1: Yeah, I mean, the big question is which of those teams get sent to Pepperdine as yeah. a number two seed? One of them is going to go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, my hunch tells me it's probably more the former of are they – really good and just isolated. We haven't seen that much of them. We kind of saw that last year, right? The USC women went on the road, they knocked off Florida. It would not surprise me to see one of these teams as a number two seed knock off a, a, a number one seed. And it wouldn't surprise me if Stanford knocks off a top three opponent in that first round. But I mean, look, Stanford still has, still has a lot of maturing to do, I think in a lot of their positions, Um, And I just I, I just really worry about that depth. I think one of the biggest differences between some of those past teams that we talk about is their low ranking was explainable. It was almost always because they didn't play indoors or they had serious injuries earlier in the season. That's not the case this year. They've played a full schedule. Yes, they lost to Virginia in the kickoff, but they didn't make indoors. So we'll have to see. But again, that crop of teams all super dangerous coming into NCAAs.
0: Yeah, very true. And by the way, I meant to get to this comment earlier, but I want to give a shout out to QH, who just gets the show. He goes, Texas A&M, or she, goes, Texas A&M beat Florida. Florida crushed FSU twice. FSU beat Duke. Duke won the ACC. QH, you just get me. That's the transitive property in a nutshell. That's the sort of content I'm looking for. Yeah, it speaks to the wide open nature. I love the transitive property as much as anyone not a lot of transit properties work in the way of the Pac 12, though. Again, so, other than so Cal, Cal.
1: I mean, Cal beats Texas AM, Arizona State beats Cal, Stanford beats Cal, ergo, Stanford, Stanford also beat one. Arizona
0: State. Yeah, I see the logic here, but Arizona State also beat Stanford. And so, you know, and Stanford lost to USC, who lost to Loyola, who, and also lost to UCSB. So maybe those are the two best teams out there. West. You go. Again. QH, you get the show. That's why we're here on The Deciding Point. All right. With all that said, let's move on to our final of the Power Five conferences. And I'll be honest, the juiciest of the bunch. We saved a nice gem here for 50 minutes in. ACC streak snapped for the North Carolina Tire Heels. It's Duke who is riding a hot streak. Heading into the month of May. And obviously, the Blue Devils earned a massive end of season victory over North Carolina in Durham. But you look at what Duke was able to accomplish over the course of the past week as well 4 2 win over Wake Forest in the quarterfinals, 4 3 win over Miami in the semifinals, 4 1 victory over UVA in the final. Of course, for UVA, who knocks off North Carolina 4 2 in the semifinals. No one beats the Cavaliers three times in 2022 at the same time Virginia 4-2 victory over NC State in the quarterfinals as well this is I mean we'll start I'm going to force us to start with the finals here again we'll stick with the outline what's your takeaway from this Duke team who unequivocally I'm blaming you we crossed off because of you we're on crossing we're doing it <laughs> uh,
1: I mean I have no qualms about that Um yeah. But look, I mean, we talk about hottest teams in the country. I mean, Duke is in my every opinion, definition of it. Uh, yeah. My opinion, number one on that list. Right. I mean, since that horrible Florida swing, they've been undefeated. They've knocked off North Carolina state. They've knocked off UVA. They've knocked off UNC. Right. I mean, they are absolutely riding a high knocked off Miami. So they've won eight of their last matches and they looked really good this tournament and they, and they won in all different places. Right. I thought one of the revelations was Ellie Coleman, I thought played really well this tournament. Um, you know, I think Chloe Beck and Georgia Drummy, that flip has paid off for them. Emma Jackson coming through at number three, you know, Kelly Chen saved them in that Miami match. She had a Herculean effort there. So they've got answers at, at all of the positions and they're starting to fire on all cylinders. And we said, right, they had that returning top four in you know beck drummy chen and they needed to find a few others to to click and jackson and coleman are both starting to click
0: Yeah, no, they drop doubles against Wake Forest and Wake Forest very good at doubles, but it's the way they won that match straight set victories from back drummy Chen. And then on this occasion, it was Emma Jackson, <clears throat> excuse me, the freshman delivering at the number three spot for the four one win against Miami. They take the doubles point. And then again, I love the you know, Chloe Beck suffers her first loss of the season. To Eden Richardson, but everyone who, who else. beats steps
1: Navarro up. and back and loses to everybody else. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. just what Eden does. But, you know, Drummy steps up. Three-set win for her. And Kelly Chen is finally starting to play some really good tennis. She clinched against North Carolina. She gets the 7-6 in the third clinch uh, for her team against Miami. And then, again, on this day, it wasn't Jackson. It was Ellie Coleman, that freshman, getting yeah. the job done at the number six spot. And then against Virginia, just kind of all came together. And, again, Chloe Beck may have lost the match to Emma Navarro, but Drummy, fantastic win over a very much informed Natasha Subash. Coleman continues her winning ways. Freshman straight set win over Ziadato, and then Emma Jackson with the clinch, yeah. seven six in the third. And of course, you know Billikin, who's been up and down in singles over the past two seasons, a lot of DNFs or three set matches for her. Which again, it's not as valuable as a win, but there is maybe not on the scoreboard, we'll call it a quarter of a point value in just staying alive and not allowing my, uh, you know, Virginia, excuse me, to put an easy point on the board or, you know, a point they were probably counting on from Heba shake. This Duke team is clicking and it does feel like, again, at Chloe, it doesn't matter whether it's Beck or drummy. You feel good about them at the number two singles position. Every time they play, you feel like one of their freshmen is probably going to get the job done on any given day. Now, whether it's Jackson or Coleman, it depends, but you'd like probably them to split those two freshmen, go one and one in those two results. If my bet is, well, we need Kelly Chen to have a big may go back to last year, go back to 2019. Kelly Chen has big May's. Yep. This Duke team. Sorry. what? Well, uh, again, I'm, ha- I caught myself. I was going to swear. This Duke team is dangerous. They
1: just Harry. are. Yeah, no, they're, they're super dangerous. I mean, they've, they've beaten all the teams that they need you know, to I guess I should beat. say
0: they're tier 1. They're national title contenders. They have elevated themselves. So they're 19 and 3 on the year and like one horrible weekend in Florida and a loss to Oklahoma. Like yep. they're excellent.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. Um and they're playing their best tennis when they need to, right? You talk about Kelly Chen. Yeah, if you if your match is going to come down to number 4 singles and you have Kelly Chen there, you feel really good about your chances. Um, I don't know if she's playing her best tennis, but she's still finding ways to win, which is all that really matters. So, yeah, I was really impressed with this Duke team. This was a really close match with Virginia. That 4-1 score does not do it justice. Doubles came down to a tie break. Um, But, yeah, very impressed with this Duke team. Absolutely in that Tier 1 conversation.
0: Well, let's flip this script and talk about this Virginia team now who beats North Carolina, who beats North Carolina State. 20 and 5 overall on the year are the Cavaliers. They've lost twice to UNC, who they get the re- the re- revenge third win over and again. My impossible to beat a team thrice theory continues to pay dividends. They've lost yours? twice to Duke. Ours? Okay. It's not yours. I'm I'm not I will happily <laughs> I will co-sign it with you. Like okay. I have no issues there. Co-authors um, of okay. You know what? That's going into the intro. Co-authors of the thrice loss theory. Is that fair? <laughs> Can I
1: I would or like to trademark losses. thrice.
0: Okay. Thrice right. is yeah. You're right. Thrice is a J edition. Thank I you. you helped me with the nomenclature. There's no denying that. But two losses for that for Virginia against North Carolina. Two losses for Virginia against Duke. You know, one loss, 4-3 against Miami, which I don't think is a bad loss at all, considering that. No, match that was, was a bad play. loss. It was 6-1. Oh, 6-1. Did I say 4-3? You're right. It was 6 It was the 4-3 match they lost to Duke in the regular season. Not a bad loss at all. Yeah, and that um, was without Schapinski. Yeah, exactly. Still. You look at what this Virginia team was able to do this weekend. I mean, for them to beat NC State in the fashion they did where, you know, they take the, uh, they drop the doubles point, but they yeah. just, they take, what was it? I believe uh, three of the five three set, or excuse me, four of the five three set matches go the way of Virginia. Yeah. Navarro in three sets at one. Uh, Chervinsky, a three set win over to Groho at three. heap of shake six. 0 oh, in the third at five. Ziadato six, two in the third at Abrams. I mean, that's a good old-fashioned backyard brawl, and it goes the way of the Cavaliers, and then for them the next day to take the doubles point against North Carolina, and again, uh, Ziadato straight set win over Yarlagata, you know, Subash this time, three-set win over Scotty, and then Navarro doing her thing over Cam Mora. This is a really good, you know, even Chervinsky preventing Riley Tran from getting on the board with a victory. You take it away. Thoughts on the Who's?
1: Yeah, it was an unequivocal weekend of success for them, right? To beat NC State, to beat North Carolina, two of the top three teams in the country coming into this tournament. This was the first time they had beaten North Carolina since the 2016 NCAA. So that was a huge monkey off of their back. Uh, not not to mention that both of their coaching staff in Coach O'Leary, um, you know, they are former UNC uh, players, former All-Americans there. So this was a great win for them. And this is a team that's elevated themselves absolutely to me in the tier one conversation, right? I think you look what they've done. The big revelation for me has been Sarah Ziodato at number six. She had struggled early in the season. They had really struggled with their bottom half of the lineup, but you know, uh shake has been solid Ziodato's playing some really good tennis right now. And if they can find a point, you know, if they can find a point and a half at the bottom of the lineup, you know you're getting Navarro at one. You probably feel really good about splitting two and three. I mean, this was a great win for them, a great victory for them, and a great weekend.
0: And you look for Virginia now in the projected rankings. They're all the way up to number four. Yeah. And again, Virginia's four, Duke five, NC State seven. North Carolina's still up at number one. It's the ACC's world, and we're all living in it once again this season. Let's round out this ACC conversation. We have to talk about NC State. And our guy, excuse me, Dendaloo the Yankee, asked what happened to the Wolfpack. And I do think surface level, Wolfpack are 4-4 four and four over their last eight matches. But again, let's answer those losses in a vacuum. 4-3, lost to North Carolina. 4-3, lost to Duke. 4-3, lost at Virginia. 4-2, lost to Virginia in the conference tournament. I refuse to take them down from tier one because, again, against Virginia, they lose four of five three set matches. Yeah, it didn't break the way their way the way everything seemed to break their way through the first two months. But I had a conversation with the Karma Gods, and now this at NC State team is 500, and now it's fair game. It's like, all right, you have reset your chi. You're back to neutral entering the NCAA tournament. They still won the doubles point. And by virtue of winning in that doubles point, it's just really hard to find four singles victories. Again, it took four three-set victories for Virginia to beat them. Now, again, you only got to get beaten once to get knocked out of the NCAA tournament. But I still think this team is just too solid of an out. And I think they're – I like, again, I think quarterfinals is the floor. And once you're in the quarterfinals, it's anyone's ballgame.
1: Yeah, I don't know floor feels uh pretty bold no that's Um, how confident
0: I still feel in them because again they're gonna win doubles and it takes a Virginia-esque and Virginia's number four in the freaking projected rankings singles performance to beat them and I just like there's like seven teams capable of doing that thus they're a quarter finalist
1: yeah I mean and that could be very true um but floor feels still feels aggressive to me. I mean, look, you're meant, those are all top five teams that they've lost to now. So they're, yeah, they've lost four for four and four, but I mean, they're out of the tier one conversation for me. I think it's tough to see them replicating the wins back to back to back. I think there are some holes towards the bottom of the lineup. I think you probably don't favor them at number one against any of these top teams, which I think is challenging. Um, so I think it's going to be tough. I do think they have excellent, excellent doubles that will probably save them, um, and get, and get them a win, right? Maybe it's that round of 16 win. I don't think that wins you a championship
0: as of right now, NC state, again, number seven in the projected rankings, they would take on Ohio state boy. Would that be a fun rematch of a 4-3 match we saw? And again, it would be a 4-3 match, NC State won at home uh, earlier this season. I could 1,000% see things playing out that way for the Wolf Pack. But again, really fun ACC tournament uh, weekend of results. Your match of the tournament is Miami's 4-3 victory over Georgia Tech, which came in the quarterfinals. Make the case
1: well, I won't hear anything differently. (laughs) I mean, this was an awesome match. It was similar to uh, what I mentioned earlier, just like true charisma of a college tennis match. It was a late night match. Miami drops dubs. They storm back. I mean, came down to, you know, freshman Tatiana Nikolenka. She saved six match points throughout the entirety of that match. She wins five, seven, seven, six, seven, six. I mean, what's not to love about that victory should note that Miami is without Diana Coden right now, who has played that five and six match. So Nikolenka had only played seven matches throughout the course of this year. She was a January admit. So just it's what college tennis is all about. And that was a fantastic match.
0: Yeah, no, uh, well said. I would disagree and just go with, it has to be NC state, Virginia. Are you kidding? Five, three set matches in singles. And Yeah, they all happened to break Virginia's way. That was an exceptional match. I know it was 4-2 in scoreline, but to me, that was the match of the tournament. We haven't talked about the Tar Heels. Quite frankly, I don't know what to make of this performance. Like, again, for them to lose in the fashion that they did to Virginia to drop the doubles point the way that they did to see Navarro beat Mora. The way that she did, you know, Yarlagata shaky performance at six. I still think she's earned the benefit of the doubts. But if you're going back to early in the season, this was something you talked about. So i got to give you credit of how confident are you in Yarlagata at the biggest moments. I mean, Scotty loses in three sets to Subash. Like, that's just an excellent match. It was always going to be an excellent match. Tan Gillig, another straight set win at five. I think Tran, Crawley, Tim Gillig. you still feel good about as your nucleus going into every match, but there's a lot of pressure on all three of them to earn victories, it feels like, all the time. Can North Carolina get back to their splitting ways at the top two single spots? I think that's a big question. Again, doubles pairing-wise, they've quietly played around with a lot of different things all season, and I still don't know that they have their biggest rhythm. Again, when this team takes a doubles point, you're not beating them. Like It's just not going to happen. But they haven't in their two losses. And again, first time since 2015, this team hasn't won the ACC conference championship. I said it last week. I'm still sticking with this theory. Like, okay, now they've lost. Now it's you get like we have two weeks to get our shit together. Sorry, Westoff I knew it was coming. To get our stuff together. Um, what is this team? You know, again, they're st- they have to be tier one. They have to be. But we're, we're, where's your Carolina confidence?
1: Well, they're definitely still tier one, right? Uh, You know, in some ways this could be a huge blessing, right? I mean, they're not undefeated going into NCAAs. They didn't win the ACC championship, like not carrying that burden that so many of these past North Carolina teams have had. So in some ways you can imagine them playing more freely in the NCAAs, feeling like they actually have something to prove rather than something to lose. And it really just depends on on how they show up at the NCAAs. It could also be really deflating for the team. It's tough to be the team that snaps a streak, right? No ACC tournament titles 2015. That's tough. Um, look, I think you're right that three, four and five, really tough to see people knocking off that. but you know if you're if you're not getting the results up up top or in doubles, then the pressure is on them and yeah, on any given day, one of these teams can get a victory at three, four, and five. So they're now to me just in this mix of these kind of like top five, six ish teams rather than being a step above.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, when they go two and one in the doubles and one and two singles points, they're killing opponents. Of course. It's really hard to go two and one in those points at the NCAA tournament. And too frequently, they've gone 0-3 or 1-2 in those three points. And again, it's a lot of it's the flip of a coin. We saw when Scotty's locked in, as she was at the National indoors, this team will and can beat anyone in the country, but you're right. They don't carry the burden of being an unequivocal number one entering the NCAA tournament. It's part of the madness and they like everyone else going to look to prove themselves over the course of the next month. Uh With that said, again, you know, Miami semi-finalists. It's a nice reminder how good they are. Any other yeah. thoughts on this ACC?
1: No, I mean, yeah, Miami played Duke super close. Um, they're still really dangerous. I think lastly, I mean, the big question you mentioned, the top four seeds, top eight seeds Four of them are going to be from the ACC. I think we'll learn a lot in the NCAAs about how good this ACC is relative to the other conferences. That's probably my biggest question. Yeah,
0: I agree with you. And you know, last year it was legit. It wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, if it's legit this season as well, with that in mind, Let's move to the best of the rest as there were some other results that happened throughout the course of the season. Of course, shout out to those conference champions. Actually, sorry, super producer, Daniel if You're going to get mad at me. Can you pull up that graphic one more time? Show us our conference champions. Just want to list again, who our winners were uh, over the course of this power five play. Again, a huge shout out to our sec conference champ, Texas A and M our big 12 conference champ, Texas PAC 12 conference Champion Stanford, and of course, ACC conference champ. Champion Duke, each of those teams cementing their status out of top eight, top 16, but entering uh, postseason play, certainly all of them as much momentum on their backs as anyone. But with that in mind, let's move over to the best of the rest. And those of you tuning in live may have seen, we got to start with the Big Ten. Conference tournament coming up this weekend. Women are in Iowa City, Ohio State, gonna be your number one seed as they win the Big Ten outright, complete an undefeated season five two over Maryland, 4-0 over Rutgers, Luna Dorme back in the lineup, looking healthy. I also like the Buckeyes doubles pairings. I like the shifts they made. Marzal and Contos, I think seven and one now overall. You know, in the big of matches, Boulet and Allen are gonna bring their best at one. Now, what exactly are they gonna do at three? I still think that's a question. But they're undefeated going into the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Michigan going to be your number two seed, and that was the best weekend of the season for the Wolverines. Four one over Illinois, four one over Northwestern as well. Where are you as we approach this Big Ten Conference Tournament with this Big Ten Conference?
1: Yeah, I mean this was you know, what we expected with Ohio state, right. To kind of round out their undefeated regular season. I think what was impressive about Michigan is they won a dubs point against Northwestern. Yeah, uh, we did. It was, it was a close one too. So I, I'm they sure dumped you... the
0: Gatorade on Ronnie, not for the sure. 300th win, but because they won a doubles
1: point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I thought these were both good wins for uh, Michigan, Illinois, and Northwestern kind of two of the teams that have been scratching at the top two, Ohio state and Michigan, but you know, this really comes down to Michigan, Ohio State. Um, and that's that's we didn't really learn anything else uh in the regular season.
0: Well said. All right, let's move on. Unranked USF. Stunning, stunning Brian Kanyeko and the UCF Knights in the AAC championship quarterfinals. Ultimately, it was Memphis. Winning the title. And it was quietly a very solid season for Memphis, who knocks off Tulsa 4-1 to secure an NCAA berth that they may otherwise have not had. Now you look at this AAC conference, I do think it's interesting. UCF, the only team guaranteed entry into the tournament on their ranking. Now, Memphis is going to get in 20 and 6 overall as the conference winners, but SMU, who's been scrappy all year long, they're 46 in the projected rankings. Tulsa, oh, they have loved this victory they're currently uh 47 in the projected rankings uh again usf is 7 and 16 overall so even though they get the massive boost from beating ucf they never really had a shot it's smu deserves to be in the tournament i don't know whose spot i'm taking away that would be a tough exclusion with the resume they've put together this year but i mean your thoughts on the aac conference
1: championship? Well, just to spend a minute on that, you know, USF yeah. victory over UCF. I mean, that was incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. they played in their regular season finale and UCF won 4-0 and it wasn't even close. And USF gets a victory here after losing the dubs point. They took four singles victories against UCF. So, I mean, just an incredible performance for them. Um, you're right. they Their only chance of making the NCAA tournament was winning the tournament. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. but still still a good result for them, an incredible result. And um, yeah, I mean, tough this, this conference, it's just like, everyone is just outside of the top, you know, what 44 being the uh, the cutoff. So Memphis obviously comes away with the, with the berth that they need. So yeah, looking forward to seeing how UCF rebounds in NCAAs.
0: Yeah. I, again, UCF still has a lot of pieces. They're still going to be very, and you know, they're going to be a number two seed now. And so again, that's a tough team that's proven they can earn some big victories as uh, throughout the course of this 2022 season. Again, beyond the AAC, Old Dominion, second straight Conference USA final and title. They knock off Charlotte for three in the final. Now, good year for both the Charlotte men's and women's teams who both make the conference tournament finals, have both been flirting with top 50 status all year long. But don't forget about Coach Manila and ODU. Like, again, this was a team that was as hot as any team through the first two months of the season. They still got startup Seva uh, at the top of the lineup. She's had a fantastic season, has the senior. Um, Yeah, I mean, ODU, second straight Conference USA title. And last, since they're moving conferences. Very well said. I agree. Any other thoughts on Conference USA? I mean, again, you look at this conference overall, Old Dominion getting in, FIU getting in, Charlotte probably going to just miss out, as is Rice. Still, I think pretty good year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just tough for Charlotte to lose this 4-3. That would have been their, um, their guaranteed berth, and ODU probably would have get, got in on their ranking.
0: Yeah, no, Um. It, it, yes, well said. All right, final one, and we've been on this all year long, the Princeton Beat. They claimed the Ivy League title outright, getting the victories they need. Now, they're probably going to be a four-seed. Wherever it is they go, and you look for this Princeton team overall on the year they end the season, eleven and ten, number forty-two in the projected ranking. They will be the only Ivy League representative, which remains shocking to me that the I again there was so much momentum for the Ivy League before the pandemic, and it's just like the fact they had to no two years of no tennis. What a death sentence, or at least not a death sentence, but what a coma it put the conference in from a momentum building standpoint. That said, I mean, hell hath no fury like this healthy Princeton roster. If they're your number four seed, you are dropping an f bomb.
1: Yeah, they might squeak in a three seed now that they're up to like forty two. But yeah, I mean, I, I made this call before. I think they're headed headed to Virginia. I don't know, kind of what other place makes sense. That's brutal. Uh, this is a a team you want no part of because um, they they feel like they have a lot to a lot to prove. Can we?
0: Flush this out,
1: unpack it for a bit,
0: because I know I just kind of said something there and you were shaking your head. But for those podcast listeners who are watching this or hearing this the next day, we agree the Ivy League had all the momentum in the world, right? At the start of the 2020 season, what was it? Five of the men's teams were in the top 25 or top 20, something crazy like that. And I think, you know, teams like Dartmouth and Columbia and Yale and Penn on the women's side, Harvard had all start to build momentum alongside of Princeton. It does feel like that momentum has been zapped.
1: Oh, yeah, I wasn't shaking my head in disagreement. I was No, abs- I know, but oh, I just want to give you the yeah. chance
0: to speak on it.
1: Yeah, I was absolutely agreeing. I mean, I think one of the hardest parts here is you can only stay for four years um, within the Ivy League. So we look at all these other schools, all these players playing for fifth, fifth years. Not only did the Ivy League have two seasons missing, the players can't stay. So, you know, you're really starting from scratch. A lot of these programs, if you had juniors or seniors come 2020, you know, you're starting from scratch and it's tough to tough to build a program and talk to recruits when you're not playing, uh, can't come to matches. So yeah, it's probably going to be a a little bit of a long road back for a few of these programs as they essentially rebuild, but this was felt like the ascension of the Ivy league in the late 2010s. And, you know, maybe we'll start to see that in a few years again. Yeah. I mean, again, look at the tennis
0: recruiting rankings, the Ivy leagues continue to bring in recruits. And so it's just a matter of giving these recruits now time to settle in To your point, they haven't had that time over the past few seasons. All right. With all of that said, that's your past week of conference action. Of course, we still have a bit of uh, play to go before we get to the start of the 2022 NCAA tournament. But before we get there, let's talk about our rankings and what they look like after last week's action. And again, movement at the top of our cracked rackets college tennis poll Jay docking North Carolina. I'm not going to say down to what position, but lower than I had them. Thus Oklahoma takes over at the number one spot, North Carolina at number two, Texas A&M at number three. We then go Duke four, Texas, five, Virginia, six, NC state, seven, I think that's a pretty firm top seven. I want to stop there because I think the real debate comes at number eight, but I think all seven of those teams both deserve to be top seven teams is probably are probably all in my tier one of teams entering the NCAA tournament. And I think that's a good line of
1: demarcation of where tier one ends. I agree with that. That is definitely the top seven. And with this like hanging chat of Pepperdine, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, Um but yeah, that's definitely where when we're ranking these teams, that is the that is the top seven. That's clear.
0: That, yeah, I agree. I think again, firm cutoff line there based on resumes, Agreed. eye test, etc. After that, Oklahoma State eight, Pepperdine nine. I'd actually stop things, I think, there as well and be like, OK, these are my two hanging chads where I'm not out to use your term. I'm not exactly sure what to make of these two teams. What lineup are we going to see from Oklahoma State on any given day? What the hell are we going to see from Pepperdine on any given day there? This is the what the hell category.
1: Well, there's a few other teams in here that would fit that category.
0: But, um... so, do Georgia and Cal belong in the what the hell category as well?
1: Should we expand tier two? They belong in a a different what the hell category. Well, actually, I don't think Georgia does. Right. I think we kind of know what we're getting. I agree. I think we know. Yeah. Cal definitely is in that category. Yeah. Um, So I would probably draw it there. Um, But that what the hell category is not necessarily tied to rankings. There are a lot of teams. Exactly.
0: That's its own sort (laughs) of tier. It's its own tier. Tier two, I probably stop. I mean, you'll say after Miami. I'd say after Ohio State, maybe. Like, I just, I don't know. I I guess that I'd stop tier two after Ohio State and then Miami through probably LMUs of the world to like the 22 spot is tier three. Give me your line. And again, right now, eight is Oklahoma State, nine Pepperdine, 10 Georgia, 11 Cal, 12 Ohio State is where I stopped tier two. We have 13 Miami, 14 Auburn, 15 Stanford, 16 Florida your final thoughts on our top 16 rankings.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Stanford is an asterisk, right? I do think that they probably belong in this tier two conversation, even though they're ranked 15, right? Who do I think is more likely to win the NCAA title Auburn and Miami or Stanford, I'll say Stanford. So, you know, I think they probably get bumped up. Um, But overall, I think these, you know, these make sense. And then I would say like, there's that next tier when you look at the top 25 I mean, 16 through 25 is all really close
0: it's one of those first times i've looked at the rankings this season and thought okay this makes sense like we have finally reached the point where we have enough data yeah regular season about to be complete so there's your top 16 for the week and again look out for tomorrow we're going to unveil our men's and women's top 16s in a graphic on twitter in case you couldn't follow all of those names i read very quickly but again oklahoma Welcome to the number one spot. You usurp North Carolina for the first time this season since, what, before the national indoors? That someone not named North Carolina has held the top spot in our rankings. With that in mind, let's preview the final week of non-NCAA tournament play here in the 2022 college tennis season. Two big ones we've got our eyes on. Big Ten tournament happening in Iowa City. Northwestern Wisconsin, your three and four seeds, obviously for Wisconsin, they're one of the teams with uh need to make the semifinals probably to ensure their spot in the NCAA tournament right now. They're number 43 in the projected ranking 16 and eight overall, Illinois is 48, Nebraska's 55. I'll put Minnesota on my end of realm of possibility. Cause I think that's a pretty solid squad. They're 57 in the rankings, I mean, those are the four teams, Wisconsin through Minnesota, on bubble watch. That's certainly one fascinating detail to watch for. What are you looking for uh, um, uh, over in Iowa City?
1: Yeah, it's it's bubble watch and then final watch for me, yeah. um, right? It's which of those teams can go on the run and try and secure their spot. Um, Illinois, I have as a dark horse here. I think they're in the Wisconsin quarter, so that could be a, a win in your in type situation. Um, and look, I'm looking forward to a, what should probably be a Michigan-Ohio State rematch.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it was a 4-3 match. Wolverines came so close, obviously, to winning that one in Columbus. And now it's neutral site, probably outdoors this time. I mean, they're down 1-0. They're going to drop the doubles point. But this team of scraps, that's going to be very fun. And again, Illinois with Yeah and Duong and the freshmen they have, like that Wisconsin match has 4-3 written all over it, if it does happen. 100%. So, very and that is that's a cross-off match. Winning you're in, losing you're probably not. It's gonna be fun to watch all the action in Iowa City. West Coast action. Got the West Coast conference, obviously. Pepperdine, uh, your favorites to capture the conference title, but uh certainly LMU looking forward the 20 and two LMU looking forward to another shot at Pepperdine, San Diego right now, 15 and five overall, 45 in the projected rankings. They are just outside of the NCA tournament. Those are the three teams with postseason aspirations. I don't, does San Diego need to beat LMU to work their way in, in that hypothetical semifinal match? I mean, obviously Pepperdine, heavy favorite to win this event. Yep. Talk to me about the West Coast Conference.
1: Yeah, I assume they do, right? If they're sitting at 45, they probably need to win. I don't think I, the draw is out for this yet. Um, that's why the What to Watch is TBD. But yeah, I mean, Pepperdine's a heavy favorite. They rolled through the regular season. They just knocked off San Diego. Um, you know, LMU, right. They've had an incredible season. I'm curious to see, uh, one, the LMU San Diego matchup, which LMU, I believe won in the regular season, uh, if we get a rematch uh, against Pepperdine and we'll see what form Pepperdine is in.
0: Yeah, again, it's crazy to say. Not much college tennis to watch this weekend. Enjoy the calmness before the storm. This is one of those weekends where you know it's finally springtime. Maybe you haven't go. I don't know. What's the springtime equivalent? It's not an apple orchard. That's fall or pumpkin picking. That's fall.
1: Whatever. The Cherry springtime. blossoms in D.C.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's go with that. Or you know maybe it's finally nice enough for that lake day. You've got a buddy. You can go down to the water. With the Families. Whatever it is. Maybe this is the weekend to get that out of the way because the next two weekends you're booked, folks. Which I'll. with all the college tennis action that's going to unfold but again that's our look at the week ahead and that's week 15 here in the 2022 college tennis season now no broadcast for me to plug this weekend either uh i do believe i'm gonna be headed up to madison for the big 10 men's action i need to see michigan versus ohio state at some point in person and i do you know it's six hours away which is the vomit zone but i also have the kicker of my best friend growing up goes to vet school at wisconsin and so it's like not only do I have the Michigan-Wisconsin match, uh, Michigan-Ohio State match, excuse me, um, or maybe Michigan-Wisconsin. Michigan-Wisconsin would be the semifinals. They're the number three seed after that COVID cancellation. But I also get to see my buddy. Like, It's a confluence of factors that has me driving that six hours. That said,
1: uh, any final thoughts from you, Jay, before we wrap today's show? No, you're right. It's absolutely the calm before the storm. Yeah. And again, when we chat, we were going to have the NCAA draws. So we'll bookend, we'll bookend the conversation with that.
0: And the other thing we should do next week, I know the draw preview is going to be massive. Maybe we'll have to double up mailbag. We're doing a mailbag segment before the start of the NCAA tournament. And maybe we can make this a separate show. Remind me to tweet it out. We'll both tweet it out. Any of you listeners who have questions for us entering the NCAA tournament, I'll do my best to secure the lineups and everything for us. So we have all that information in front of us. But let's do a mailbag. As we wrap this 2022 college tennis season, what are the questions you all have on your mind as we head towards postseason play? We want to hear them. We'll do our best to answer them on next week's show. But with that said, a shout out as always to our friends at Swing Vision and Turner, the lifeblood who make this show possible. Learn more about Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this app. Learn more about Turner by emailing them at sales at uniquesports.com. A shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos who makes all of this content possible. And I can already hear him in the room across from me thinking, you're going to do a mailbag and a draw preview in a single show? What, should I just book an entire evening? (laughs) Uh, Because that that sounds like three hours. But uh, with all of that said, four. My fantastic co-host, John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel westoff our friends at Swing Vision, and turn and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Groskin. Jay, what do we tell the people? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week for NCAA Tournament Play. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.